your sacrifice on the cross that brings us life and life to the full. This morning, Father, we surrender ourselves completely to you and ask that you would come and have your way, that you would come and bring change in our lives individually, corporately, and across the nations. For you are far greater. Your power is unending. Your love is unfailing. We look to you, God, the creator of heaven and earth, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who is, who was and is to come, that you would be glorified and honored, that you would draw all men to yourself you would come and have your way, King Jesus. Amen. Please take your seats. Thanks, Alan and the band. Just a, a few announcements before um, Werner gets up to preach. Just a reminder that this evening there's prayer from half five to six. Here, for those who, who can make it, six, five, half, half, five to six tonight is prayer. Oh, I'm getting a bit tongue-tied. Then this week is home groups as normal. On Good Friday, there is a joint service in the town square. It's at nine, uh, 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock on Friday in the town square is the joint service. And then on Easter Sunday, so next Sunday, we have uh, our Easter Sunday service, but as a brunch. So if I could ask, before you go home today, if all able-bodied people um, could just help me by packing the chairs you're sitting on to the side, just to, in preparation for that. So if we could do that. But next weekend is our Easter Sunday service as a brunch here. Um, home groups will be giving through what is needed for, for putting that together. And there are invites on the back table and in the front uh, entrance if you want to invite someone. It's a great opportunity to do that. We have next month on the 15th, we have Tony and um, Suzanne Seabright coming to minister on Sunday the 15th of May. Just a reminder of that. Um, if you were planning on going to the European Equip, uh, too bad, it's fully booked. Uh, there is a waiting list if you'd like, but um, uh, that's fully booked for, for then, but it would be good. Okay, wonderful. So, um, uh, Amy, is there youth today? Yes. Okay, so if you are of a senior school age, up, uh, youth is upstairs, you may go through now. Um, children of primary age, you can come through with Jess and Eve and I. And Vern, I'm going to hand over to you for this morning's message. Thank you. One, two. Come on. No. Am I on now? Am I on now? <laughs> Good morning, everybody. You've, is everybody well this morning? Beautiful sunshine. Two days in a row. Woohoo! It's a good weekend. It's a good, thanks, my girl. That's Heather. <laughs> Good Lord, thank you for for making your presence known to us during worship, Lord. 
Thank you for the incredible time. And Lord Jesus, we ask now that as, as we listen to your word, Lord God, that we'll be encouraged, that we'll be inspired, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. So, always love sharing God's word, always love being uh, together with God's people. So really looking forward to share with you. It's strange, I actually feel quite pressured this morning. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But uh, yeah, a lot, of things, a lot of things going on, as many of you would know. Started a new job on Monday. Woo-hoo! Uh, I must admit that I, I, I've been hinting and making note that I need some adjustments in my back. And, but I haven't had my first uh, experience of the chiropractic yet, so hopefully next week. Hey, Catherine, maybe you can put in a good word for me there. <laughs> but yeah, we're excited. We're actually moving in on Thursday, which is also exciting. So we're packing furiously, um, trying to get rid of stuff, but we all find reasons to keep a hold of some things, as we all know, right? right? Um, but yeah, so this morning we're going to carry on about uh, talking about culture. This last few weeks we've been talking about different aspects of culture in church. And this morning I've got the privilege to share about building a culture of worship. Now the front, front side here on my right would go like, woo, right? <laughs> We're going to talk about building a culture of worship. And as I say that, I'm sure all of us have heard many sermons about worship, definitions about worship. And hopefully this morning as I share with you, uh, some things will ring true. So let's, let's begin by looking together at Psalm 100. And I'm going to read from the NIV. It goes like this. Shout for joy to the Lord. Can we, can we, can we shout? One, two, three. Woo! Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs like we did this morning. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. What a beautiful psalm that is. Worship is going on around us in every possible form or style you could imagine. Worship is happening around us in the workplace. Worshiping is happening at home in front of the television when our football team is playing. Worship is happening all the time wherever we find ourselves. And, and for thousands of years, worship has been a hot topic of discussion. Uh, you know, uh, throughout history, the, the, the church fathers in the early years after Christ uh, ascending into heaven, they were talking about what worship should look like when churches were planted in Antioch and, and further afield, what it should look like. Uh, uh, you know, when you look at, at a church today, people talk about, we worship like this, we worship like that. We don't sing those kind of songs. We don't clap our hands. We don't jump around. We Worship is a hot topic, and it's as relevant as ever. Some of us might be a little bit disillusioned by worship. Tired of performance instead of praise. 
or burnt out by empty religion. Or we may, fi- may be afraid of the change that, that seems to be sweeping around us. And uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I've been very interested to see the, the rise of the conversation around Islam. And the attention that's, that's attracting from people all over the world. Or perhaps we're excited about growing in our own worship of God, but unsure how to build a firm foundation for a lifetime of authentic worship. Whoever we are, whatever has led us to to be here this morning, and uh, we have to ask ourselves this all-important question. Why should worship be central to our lives? Why should worship be central to our lives? And today we're going to look at three reasons. Three reasons why we believe that worship is central to our lives and vital to building a culture of worship. All right? You all right? Still with me? First point. Worship is our purpose. I see some heads nodding. Some people go like, ooh. Some heads went, really? <laughs> Worship is our purpose. We are not an accident of science on, or a cosmic mistake. Our lives are not meaningless and our choices matter. We live in a world that tries to tell us that we are an island, that we make our choices for ourselves. And I remember... Um, there was a conversation uh, about uh, abortion in South Africa on 5FM. And I actually phoned in to 5FM and I, and I said, it's all good and well that we say that a lady's body is her own and she gets to choose what happens to her body, but who chooses for the child inside of her? What happens to the choice of the baby inside of her? The person growing inside of her? So we live in a world that tries to say that our lives are separate and inconsequential of each other. But it's not. Our lives are not meaningless and our choices matter and they have impact on those around us. We were created with a purpose. Now the Bible tells us that God made the universe and breathed life into the human race. Very Important distinction. God spoke everything into being, but He breathed life into us. And He calls us to know that the Lord is God. Psalm 100, verse 3 to 4. And that not only is the Lord God, but we are His. There's a sense of belonging. God created you, just as He created all of us, to be caught up in a dynamic relationship with Him at every level of our lives. Heart, soul, and mind. Every level, heart, soul, and mind. Not just for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, or five minutes before a prayer meeting. 
or the one song we listen to to get into the mood to read our Bibles in the mornings. Every level. That is our purpose. The dynamic relationship, not stale, between us and our Heavenly Father that impacts at every level of our lives. That's what worship is. Worship is central to our existence because the God who created us as an act of pure joy, by the way, it tends us to know His love and to love Him in response. The Bible tells us that before the creation of the world, God chose us to be in relationship with Him. That blew my mind when I read that and I realized that God chose us to be in relationship with Him. And the very existence is to be for the praise of His glory. Ephesians 1 verse 6, if you want to go and check it out. To be for the praise for His glory. Just as sin is described as not giving glory to God, by the way, in Romans 1 verse 18 to 25, our great rescue by Jesus will ultimately lead to the arrival of heaven which is portrayed in terms of worship in Revelations 4 verse 11. Do you know that? That the arrival of heaven is portrayed in terms of worship. We live, breathe, move, and love as expressions of God's joy. We were made to know Him, to connect with Him, to follow Him, to serve Him, and to enjoy the mind-blowing, heart-stirring fullness of this world he has created. How many people do you know right now that are discontented with life and where they find themselves? And I wonder if they're believers, if you asked them in what condition is their relationship with God, if you would find a correlation between their relationship with God and the enjoyment of life. In other words, we were created to worship. It's deep in our spiritual DNA, in every encounter with God, is the sense of coming home. The sense of belonging. Worship. Now, now, have you heard the saying, everybody worships something? Everybody worships something? Listen to this. Whatever captivates our heart's affection, our mind's attention... And our soul's ambition, it effectively has our worship. Can I say that again? Whatever captivates our heart's affection, our mind's attention, and our soul's ambition, it effectively has our worship. Now, forgive me, I'm not Anglo-Saxon. But the English word worship comes from the Anglo-Saxon, I don't know how to pronounce this, uh, w- worshipy, worshipy. It's, it's a word I can't pronounce, but our English word worship is derived from this word, which literally means to ascribe worth to something, to ascribe worth to something, to worship is to ascribe worth to something. And today we worship anything from business gurus, rock stars, endorphin exploding experiences. (laughs) The things that we value, admire, love, and enjoy most 
are by definition objects of our affection. I wonder if we just pause for a moment and you consider the things in your life that has your heart's affection, your mind's attention, and your soul's ambition. What, what, what are those things? C.S. Lewis explains this really well. He writes, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It, 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 the praise is its appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it's expressed. It's beautiful, isn't it? The delight is incomplete until it's expressed. So, so worship is central to our lives because it's what we were created to do. But when we worship anything other than God, we are somehow missing out on the fullness of the experience. I love that. If we are not worshiping God, we are missing out on the fulfillment of the experience. Because God created us. Do we believe that? Do you believe that? It's okay to show by hands whether you believe that or not. Only one, two, three, four believe that. Five, six, seven. Okay, and we could be getting convincing. <laughs> if we believe that God created us, then the fullness of the experience is to worship Him because of that. Ultimately, if we don't find fulfillment in worshiping God, we end up worshiping nothing other than ourselves. And whatever makes us feel good, whatever makes us feel right. When people tell me it just doesn't feel right, I want to dig deeper. What are you basing your decision on? A feeling? An emotion about how you feel or what God says? What the Word teaches us? For many, the pursuit of personal satisfaction, fame, money, and power becomes, it becomes the, the focus of our lives. I, I, my mind was blown. When, when I uh, finished working at Jerry's, uh, I went and I spent a weekend in Windsor attending a, a business conference. It felt like an equip. I kid you not. It felt like an equip. There was a buzz. There was music playing. People were... And then the speaker came up, and he was so good. But I, te- I, 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 I was like, this is so weird. But the problem in that setting was the people attending was ascribing greatness to the speaker. I was watching, and it was good stuff. Don't get me wrong. He really is a business guru. But what he was receiving from those attending was worship. Why? Because the people attending want the seven-figure salary. So they are giving their affection, their attention... To that from which they think they can derive what they want. 
But it but doesn't matter however powerful, rich, or famous we become, those things can never fully satisfy the deep longings of our soul. There's no amount of money, there's no amount of riches, and there's no amount of things that can satisfy the deep longing of our souls. You only have to take a quick look at the Bible to see just how profound the call to worship is. Listen to this. When Abraham encountered God, he was called to obedient sacrifice, an act of worship. When Moses led the people of Israel, it was so that they can go and worship the Lord. And what happened when they were led out of the, 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 the land of slavery? Miriam led them in song, in praise, in worship. When Job lost everything, he fell to his knees in worship. When Elijah calls down fire from heaven, it's in the context of an act of worship. When David dances before the Lord, it's worship. When Hannah hands over a baby son to the Lord, she sings a song of worship. When Mary knows that she's carrying the Christ, what does she do? She worships. When Simeon sees the infant Christ, what does he do? He worships, and it loosens his tongue. Remember, he was mute. But because he saw the Christ, it loosened something in him. And what was the first act? He worships. When the disciples realized that Christ is the Lord, what did they do? You got it right? They worship. I love what Matt Redman wrote. He said, when we face up, when we face up, that's what we did this morning when we sang, we faced up. When we face up to the glory of God, we find ourselves face down in worship. When we see God for who He is, we cannot but fall down in worship. So worship is central because God made us. Not as a project to be discarded once construction was complete, but as a child with whom He would share a powerful, ongoing, dynamic relationship. You still all right? Worship is also another word for how we hold up our end of the bargain. Until we discover our purpose in this life, we will never be satisfied. St. Augustine once prayed, You made us for, us, for yourself, O Lord, and how our hearts are restless until they rest in you. How our hearts are restless until they rest in you. I wonder how often your heart's been restless. Maybe this thing is what's making me, making me I'm keep on rolling my, my sleeves up, but that's not going to cool me down. <laughs> um, how often have you found yourself restless? Then only to be reminded of God's goodness and then, okay, God, this last seven months. I tell you, there's been many times when I've been restless. Many times when I just... Keep reminding myself of what God said, what God's done in the past, how faithful He's been. I recognize God for who He is, and my circumstances follow suit. My heart follows suit. In Jesus, we have the answer to the meaning of of life. I love that song this morning. We have been made by the Maker and saved by the Savior with one extraordinary purpose of enjoying our relationship with God. We've been made by the Maker and saved by the Savior with the one extraordinary purpose of enjoying relationship with God. It almost sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? We can look for hours, spend hours looking at definitions of worship. And it will be fascinating because many people have written many books about worship and definitions. 
But there's a danger in overanalyzing. If we overanalyze, we're in danger of, of reducing worship to just another activity. That we as a gathered community you know, attempt on a Sunday morning. Or we might fall in the trap of oversimplifying. And uh, seeing worship as having nothing to do with singing or liturgy. But rather how we live the whole of our lives. And so there's this disconnect that takes place. And, and often we find ourselves swinging between the two ends of the pendulum. Of we like really want worship. Or no, no, it's just, you know, it's a lifestyle. And then, okay, no, it's back to worship. You know the pendulum I'm talking about? Worship must involve everything. Both the corporate activity and the personal lifestyle. Worship involves all of our lives, just not one part. It's the total alignment, the total alignment of our heart, our soul, our mind and strength with the will of God. It is our wholehearted response to God's extravagant love and mercy. Can I say that again? Worship is our wholehearted response to God's extravagant love and mercy. You know who William Temple is? Have you heard of William Temple? He was archbishop. And he wrote this. Worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by His holiness. Nourishment of mind by His truth. Purifying of imagination by His beauty. Opening of the heart to His love. And submission of will to His purpose. And all this gather up in adoration is the greatest of human expressions of which we are capable. Isn't that beautiful? As Psalm 100 reminds us, the wonderful news of the Christian faith is that there is a God. He is good and we can know Him. There is a God. He is good and we can know Him. So we are invited into this beautiful exchange that is worship. Where we find, listen to this, where we find our true identity in Him. How many people are searching for their identity? How many people struggle with their identity? So point number one is, worship is our purpose. And that's the longest one, I promise. Because really, if you think about it, if it is our purpose, it's essential that we wrap our heads around that. If there's no foundation, we waver. If there's no understanding, then it doesn't matter what follows. It's inconsequential because then we can choose whatever. So if point number one is worship is our purpose. Point number two is worship is our priority. Worship is our priority. If worship is our purpose, and it finds its expression through the whole of our lives, then wouldn't you say it stands to reason that it should be the main priority of our lives? If that's what we're made to do? We need to learn what it means to make worship of Jesus central to our lives. It's not just singing songs about Jesus. It's not just... Uh, a reading only the scriptures highlighted in red. 
Simply put, worship is our response to what we value most. Worship is our response to what we value most. A great expression, if you don't know what you worship, is to watch what you devote your time to. Because your time is your most valuable commodity, isn't it? Genuine worship involves giving everything of who we are to God. He needs to become our number one priority above every other ambition, affection, and activity. So, so Vicky and I, uh, yes, Vicky, it's your, your time, it's your segment in the preach. Uh, so Vicky and I celebrated our 21st anniversary a few days ago. Can you believe it? Well done, Vicky. Gold medal to you. <laughs> Vicky, imagine, imagine uh, when we were dating, I came to you and I said this to you. You know, I, I, I like you and uh, I, guess, I guess it'll be nice to be married to you. What do you think? <laughs> mm Ladies, would you have liked it if your husband came to you and, and proposed to you like that? Yeah, I like you and you're right, so I guess, you know, why not give it a try? No, not a chance. She would never have settled for me, because that's what would have happened. She would have settled for me with that kind of approach to marriage. Uh, and if you've been in any kind of relationship, uh, you will know that it takes effort and sacrifice, isn't it? To maintain a relationship. Even now sometimes when things are a little bit rocky between us, uh, I can easily see when I haven't given Vicky my best. Think about your relationships. When you give your best to your partner, the relationship is in a good place. If our lack of prioritizing and affection affects our earthly relationship that much, so badly, and how much more our relationship with God. You know, it's, it's like this. The devil tries to, uh, it tries to distract us. Distract us from the very source of everything that we need. For everything that we need. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says this. Remember the Lord your God... For it he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Do you know that there's a verse in the Bible that says that? Remember the Lord your God, for it he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. If you want to be wealthy, who is your best source to look to? God. Because if he's the one that gives you the ability then why would you look anywhere else? Yes, there's good principles that we can learn from others. I'm not denying that. But if he's not our first source, whatever comes after that demands from us, takes from us, robs from us. God gives first, and we get to respond to that. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is invited to the home of two sisters. Any guess what the sisters' names were? Mary and Martha. Right. Martha absorbs herself in the busy preparation of organizing the meal. Any Marthas in the place? Any, any people like that here? 
Shall I call you Martha from now on? I don't know. <laughs> and meanwhile, while Martha is scurrying around, being busy, where's, where's Mary? At Jesus' feet. But if you think about it, it was the expectation of the day that women would do what? Do what Martha was doing. It actually, it was seen as a privilege to be a Martha. So when Mary is found sitting at Jesus' feet, she's flying in the face of culture. Kicking against the institution. And so what happens? Mary, Martha storms in, interrupts Jesus and says, I need a little help, Jesus, please. What was Jesus' response? Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Worship will only be our priority if we choose to make it so. Remember, our choices matter. God does not force us to worship Him. He welcomes us into an intimate relationship with him. We're left with a decision to make. We will choose to be like will we choose to be like Martha and let the busyness of life dictate our worship? Or will we be like Mary and prioritize prioritize, sorry, prioritize worship of Jesus. Focusing on him, not letting anything, not our ambition, self-interest or the expectations of others, or any kind of distraction get in the way. That choice, my friends, the choice to worship truly, has implications for our lives. Remember this, whatever you say yes to, automatically means that you say no to something else. In every yes, there is a no. In me saying yes to Vicky and Vicky saying yes to me, automatically we say no to all others. Would you have liked it if I said, let's just keep a door open there? Not a chance. Neither would I. If we say we're going to spend time here today, like we are, you automatically say no to your favorite series. Right? The choice that we make has implications of our time, our lifestyle, our money, our energy, and our ambitions in this life. In worshiping God, we make Him the priority. Richard Foster writes, he says, If the Lord is to be Lord, worship must have priority in our lives. The divine priority is worship first, service second. Service must flow from worship, not in order to attain the right to worship. Psalm 100 encourages us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Didn't it? Sometimes we, we, we have to choose to wake up to worship. How many times have you come to church and like, Just, can I just make it to my chair, please? And then Alan stands there and strums the, the harp beautifully. 
and is warming up the atmosphere. And it's only by song number three that we are getting into it. <laughs> Ever been there? Sometimes, sometimes we, we, we need to be woken up to the reality of God's worthiness to be worshipped. Because we get bogged down by the cares and the worries and the burdens of this world. Sometimes we, we need to slow down <laughs> because we're so distracted by everything in this life. So much going on in our lives that we, we forget sometimes to prioritize God and our worship of Him. And sometimes we need to uh, <clears throat> guard ourselves against worshiping the work of the Lord rather than the Lord of the work. Sometimes we can get so caught up with doing the things of God. I remember, do you remember Tommy Tenney, uh, Tommy Tenney's book, God Chases? He says, sometimes we get so focused on the hands of God that we forget the God of the hands. Worship should be our priority. Third point is worship is our privilege. Worship is our privilege. Worship is our purpose and our priority. And it's also the greatest privilege we will ever know. The greatest privilege we will ever know. The one who made the universe, who flung the stars into its place, invites us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. He invites us into that place. The amazing truth is that when we worship God, we are never disappointed. Never disappointed. I'm always blown away by God's goodness. God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to break through. I don't know how you're going to provide for us. But when I put those cares aside and I decide to worship Him, He always comes through. Here's the privilege. In Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we have an all-access pass into His presence. All access pass into His presence. And Psalm 100 encourages us not just to draw near with thanksgiving and praise, but also to enjoy the reality that the Lord is good and His love endures forever. It is not meant, my friends, worship is not meant to just happen on a Sunday morning when the right song plays that we enjoy singing. Worship is supposed to happen in every moment. Do you know how many times that saved my relationship with my wife? When I'm going down the, the, the deep dark rabbit hole of fights, frustration, irritation. In a moment, just take a step back. Lord God, you gave me this beautiful woman. Please help me. In that moment, what am I doing? I'm putting aside the things that I'm looking to draw on for my relationship. Instead, I'm choosing to enter into this privileged relationship, draw from God what I need in order to make right. It's a privilege that we've got to enter in to His presence. 
In Jesus, we've passed through the security cordon into the Holy of Holies. And when He died on the cross for us, He removed the barrier of sin. He removed that barrier of frustration, of anger. And restored our relationship with the Father. He opened a way for us to return to God. Have you ever noticed that uh, we start to look like what we love most? Have you ever seen like a, a Winston Churchill figure walking with a bulldog? <laughs> Have you ever noticed husband and wife's mannerisms? Similar mannerisms? Similar comments? Whether it's friends or family, heroes or celebrities, whatever we cherish changes us. Whatever we cherish changes us. And as we worship in Christ, we experience a glorious chain of reactions of blessings. We discover more of God's love, His goodness, His faithfulness through every generation. And our hearts cannot help but respond in worship. Have you ever considered what God has done for you and seen what your heart does? It responds in worship. C.S. Lewis reflects on this saying, Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. What greater privilege could there be than to enjoy God? What greater privilege could there be than to enjoy, enjoy God? William Temple wrote, he said, this world, this world can be saved from political chaos and collapse by one thing. And that is worship. The Bible tells us that God pours His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He's given us. Romans 5 verse 5. This world needs love. Unconditional love. And by us together establishing a culture of worship as individuals, and as a community, what do you think people will experience when they come here? What do you think people will find when they speak to us as people, as individuals, come into our homes, and come together as a church? They will find an expression so overwhelming that it will demand a response from them. Because they, like us, were created to worship. And when they experience the authentic year, their DNA inside of them will cry out for that reality. I wonder if we can close our eyes, bow our heads as we, as we just end our time together. While we're considering... Won't, won't, won't you ask God to fill you with a new purpose? To, to reorder 
our priorities. To pour the Father's love into our hearts. So that we can take another step on this life-changing, dynamic relationship with Him. Father, we thank you for this amazing gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you that in Him we find our true purpose as worshipers. We ask, Lord God, we pray that you would help us to make worship our priority. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us to enjoy this great privilege we have of drawing drawing close to you in worship. Holy Spirit, help us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Hope you're encouraged and find some worth in that. Um, Would you uh, join us for a cup of tea, a cup of coffee? I'm going to go through the back there. If you kids are on that side, please go relieve James. Now they're blessing, right? You love your kids, really. (laughs) Wonderful. God bless you.